the two most sacred things on this planet. One is the Holy Bible, and then the other is the Holy Spirit. Those are the two most sacred things. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you will. Um, I know I talk a lot about the second coming, the rapture of the church, and uh, we've been going through the book of Revelation. We've probably got another, I don't know, probably one more Wednesday night in the book of Revelation, and that'll tap us out. And believe it or not, that's probably going to put us at 52 weeks or Wednesdays that we've spent in the book of Revelation. So it'll be one year exactly that we've studied that book if it works out that way. And so uh, pretty interesting thing there. Uh, you could really go on and on with a lot of that, but, um, but uh, we, 52 weeks is plenty enough time for you to get a good understanding of that thing. We've taken the Bible and we've broken it down into uh, passages, sections, verses, words. We've uh, shown some different things when we went through it. And so uh, hopefully you've learned some things through that study. So we'll be finishing that up, I, I think, this coming Wednesday if, if, if nothing changes. So uh, here tonight in First Thessalonians chapter 4, if you're familiar with your Bible, then you know that what we're talking about is we're talking about the rapture of the church. And I had made comment this morning about the fact that the church is not going to go through the tribulation period. Um, I'm glad it's not. Uh, but I want to give you some things here tonight, and that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, I don't know, I kind of got worked up a little bit this morning about it. So I thought, well, let's just talk about it then. <laughs> you know, if we're going to rip the Band-Aid off, let's just go for it. So that's what we're going to talk about here. But I'm just going to start, and I'm going to use 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as our text as we start off here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 13. Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Now, that doesn't mean stupid. That's not an insult. He's not trying to hurt these people. He's just letting them know that ignorance, is you don't have to be ignorant. You don't have to be without knowledge. And so he's going to fill them in on it so they're not without knowledge on this. So he says, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep. The word asleep there doesn't mean that they're taking a nap, that they're getting some Z's and they're going to wake up in eight hours. Uh, those that are asleep are in the grave is what he's talking about. Now, when he says asleep, that doesn't mean soul sleep in the fact that when their bodies go to the grave, their soul is in the grave asleep with it. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and I'll show you that here in just a moment, that that body goes to the ground, but then their soul, it's in the presence of Jesus Christ if they're saved, and it's going to come back to meet their body. All right, so he says, I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Now, if we stop right there, then it would be a sin to sorrow. But that's not what he's talking about. He goes on and says, even as others which have no hope. So you and I, it doesn't mean that we can't sorrow. It just means you don't sorrow like the unsaved people do. You and I are saved and our loved ones were saved. Then we've got some hope. We don't have to sorrow like the unsaved do. He says in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So who are the ones that God's going to bring with him? The ones that believe that Jesus died and rose again. He said nothing about water baptism in the passage. He said nothing about uh, confessing all of your sins. He said nothing about if your good works outweigh your bad works. If you do good enough and do right and hopefully maybe, no. He says that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's it, period. The requirements of going out of here in the rapture is that you've got to believe the gospel. That's it. Okay, so that's the requirement. Notice he also says, uh, those that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Notice the God in the verse is Jesus. 
That's a verse on deity. That's meaning that God, Jesus is God. He says in verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, in other words, go before, prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, that's you and me right now on this earth. If the Lord was to come back right now, that's us in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain, that's the way I'd rather for it to be. I don't want to waste my time going to the grave. Just go ahead and come now, right? Let's get out of here. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture from, caught up. It's a snatching away. It means, literally means dislocated. Um, it means uh, one morning, the other morning, Lisa, she come right there and she was at the edge of the bed and she's going to wake me up and, and I was in some deep sleep and I don't know, did, what did I do? Did I, okay, it was like I was going to punch her or something, I guess. You know how you're in a deep sleep and somebody wakes you up and you, you know, and you just come out of that thing and I mean, I felt like the rapture had taken place. I was snatched out of that deep sleep and I don't know, it's got to be something close to that anyway, I don't know, but uh, he says in the verse there, that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, where? In the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. So there's a lot of things that surround the, the fact of the tribulation period. There's a lot of thoughts and there's a lot of uh, misrepresentation. There's a lot of, uh, well, there's a lot of heresy that, that surrounds the tribulation period. And the reason why is because a lot of people are just confused about it. Uh, another reason is, is just a lot of people are just, they don't know how to rightly divide the Bible. They've never been taught how to rightly divide it. Maybe they've taken some guy's, uh, you know, word for it, you know, on television or something like that. And they're just taking his word for it. And so people get caught up in that thing. And then another thing is, is nobody, nowadays people take no effort to study the Bible. You know, they come to church and sit down and whatever the preacher says, they take it as gospel and they just go on. But what if I'm wrong? You need to go home and study and make sure that what I'm telling you is right. You say, well, you shouldn't be telling anything wrong. I agree. I shouldn't be, but I'm flesh. I could mess something up. You better make sure. I believe I know what I'm preaching to you is right, but you got to make sure that what I'm preaching to you is right too. That's why I say bring a Bible to church with you when you come. Always bring your Bible with you. That way you know I'm preaching out of the King James Bible, not the Queen James Bible. And uh, there is a Queen James Bible, by the way. They changed God from a he to a she and all of that. That's where the Queen James comes from. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you never knew that, did you? Yeah, there's some wild stuff out there. When you start messing with God's book, it can get pretty crazy. But for the most part, Christians are just confused about the Bible and what they do. It can be attributed to basically one main thing. They don't know how to rightly divide the Bible. And so that's why we're strong on rightly dividing the word of truth is because it'll help straighten up doctrine. Now today or tonight, I want to take one subject about the tribulation period and I want to try to help you. Probably, maybe most people here tonight, you even agree with me. Maybe you're on board with me. Maybe you're not. I don't know, but I'm, you know, I'm going to give you some scripture and hopefully the Holy Spirit can convince you through the Word of God. But you've heard these things over and over again, probably from preacher after preacher time and time again, that the church is not going to go through the tribulation period. You've probably heard that. And I know, I know I've said it uh, you know, on many different occasions and things like that, but you've probably heard evangelists say it and other people say it and things like that. But maybe you haven't clearly seen it from the Bible. And that's what I want to try to do tonight is show you from the Bible. There's different views concerning the tribulation period. There's, the, there's what's called pre-tribulation. That's our view. 
That's what we believe tonight. We believe that prior to the tribulation period, Daniel's 70th week, we're going to be raptured out of here. There's also the mid-tribulation, mid meaning the middle. So after three and a half years or starting at three and a half years, there's some that believe you're going to go for the, through the first three and a half years and not through the second three and a half. Then there's the others that believe you're going to go through the whole thing. And then you've got the post-tribulationists. And so you've got pre and, and mid and post. And the same way with the millennium. I don't want to confuse you, but we'll just stick with the tribulation period. And so those are some different views when it comes to the tribulation period. So here tonight I want to show you about the church and how the church is not going to go through the tribulation period. So when it comes to scriptures, we believe that types and shadows can, are, are a strong, convincing thing when it, even when it comes to doctrine. Like when you come to the Old Testament Bible and the Old Testament says some things, like let's talk about the rock in the wilderness. You'll remember that God told Moses to go over and speak to the rock and uh, when he spoke to the rock, it was going to bring forth water. Because the children of Israel were thirsty and they wanted water, so God told Moses to go speak to it. Moses goes over there. Instead of just speaking to the rock, Moses smote the rock. He disobeyed God and he smote it. Now the water still came forth, right? So when you look at that thing, first of all, that rock is a type of Jesus Christ. That rock is a type of salvation. He is the rock of our salvation, right? And so a rock, typically a rock, you don't move it, right? So, you know, then we notice the rock was smitten. Well, Jesus Christ, he was smitten. He was smitten when he, at Calvary, wasn't he? He was smitten by men. He was smitten by God. So Jesus Christ was smitten. This rock in the Old Testament, according to the Old Testament, it brought forth water. Jesus Christ brings forth living water. So Moses smote the rock, it brought forth water, and then God smote Jesus Christ, and it brought forth, he brought forth living water. And then the most compelling evidence about this fact that I'm giving you is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's really, it's verse number 4, uh, it's verses 1 through 4, but uh, it says, and that rock was Christ. So in the New Testament, there's no argument that that rock was Christ. It's a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we believe that types are doctrinally sound as long as they line up with the rest of the Bible. Now, a preacher was preaching one time and he said, well, the, the flood of Noah's day was a type of the tribulation period. And the ark was, that, was in, that was going through that flood pictures God preserving the church going through the flood. You've probably heard that before, but you know, they'll, they'll preach this thing and they preach it the wrong way. They say, well, you know, that ark, it's a type of the church being preserved through the flood. The church is not going to be destroyed because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But God is going to, he's going to prevail that thing through the flood and get the church through the tribulation period. But the problem that the guy missed, messed up with or messed, missed the thing with, I'm trying to figure out my wording here and I can't get it straight. In Genesis chapter six, that's where the flood's at right? In Genesis chapter 5, if you go back one more chapter, what you find is there's a man by the name of Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch was not for God took him. You know, Enoch was raptured out. So when the guy was preaching that that ark is a type of the church that's going to be preserved through the tribulation period, he missed the fact that Enoch is actually a type of the church and he's raptured out before one drop of God's judgment falls on the earth. So Enoch is a type of the church and the ark with Noah and his family in it are a type of the Jew that God's going to preserve through Daniel's 70th week. You see, he got it all wrong. And so he got his theology mixed up there. Uh, but uh, the, so the preacher should have read the previous verse, ver, uh, chapter, and that's chapter number five. Now, God calls the tribulation period a time of Jacob's trouble. And another name for Jacob, y'all know what it is, don't you? Israel. 
That seven year period is a time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time where God is going to pour his wrath on this earth for sure. But that thing is aimed at the Jews is what it's aimed at. So let me just give you some reasons here tonight. And I'll try to go quickly uh, why the church is not going to go through the tribulation period. Now, if you'll come to Revelation chapter number three, let me just give you some of these things real quickly. Uh, I was in my office earlier and I jotted down some, some things here that I wanted to give you. Revelation chapter number three. In verse number 2022, Revelation 3, 22, the Bible said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. See that word churches right there? Root word is the word church. That's the last time that you find the word church in the book of Revelation until you get on down through there to about chapter 22 and verse number 16. Now, what's the difference there? Well, when you get to chapter number four, you'll notice in verses one and two that John heard a voice, the heavens opened, and John heard a voice that would talk with him and said, come up hither. So John's a type of the church being raptured out. So the last time you find the word church mentioned here is in Revelation chapter number four and verse 22. And then in chapter four, John's raptured out being a picture of the church. And then what's chapters four, five, six, seven, all the way through chapter 19? It's the tribulation period. Describes the tribulation period as we've learned. Remember, chapters 1 through 3 talks about the church. Then chapters 4 through 19 is the tribulation period. Then you've got chapters 20 and 21 and 22 that talk about the judgment seat of Christ and the eternity future and those types of things. And so chapters 4 through 19, the church is not mentioned one time. Isn't it a strange thing that if the church is going to go through the tribulation period that you don't find the church mentioned at all in chapters 4 through 19? There's a reason for that. That's because the church is not going to go through the tribulation period. Now, the book of Revelation speaks mainly of the great tribulation period, which is the three and a half years, the three and a half years. You've got in chapters six through nine, you've got the seven seals that are to be broken, and they're not until chapters six, seven, and eight. Then the seven trumpets are in chapters eight, nine, 10, and 11. Then we read about God's two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, they're in chapter 11. And everyone will be forced to take the mark of the beast or be killed in chapter 14. We've learned all this, so this is just an overview, really. The seven last plagues are in chapter 15, and then the seven vials are in chapter 16. So the tribulation period is a time when hell will be poured out upon this earth like it has never seen nor ever will see again. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible time. And though the world will suffer this wrath, it's Israel who is in the God's crosshairs. And that's why it's called a time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of Israel's trouble. So then chapters 19 and 20, Israel's trouble is ended. When you get there, Israel's, that time is over with. Jesus Christ has come back. And so now in chapter 19 and 20, Satan is bound for a thousand years. And the thousand years, that Jew at that point, they can take a deep breath. Because their troubles as far as the tribulation period is over with and Satan and his followers are cast into the lake of fire. So you'll notice as you read chapters 4 through 19, we do not find the church mentioned one time. And the reason why is simple. The church is not going through the tribulation period. But there's people that will preach the church is going through the tribulation period because they mix the rapture and the revelation together. I'll show you that in just a little bit. So you'll notice as you read verse, uh, chapters 4 through 19, the church is not mentioned. Now, why is someone giving us the wrong interpretation of the church and the tribulation period if the church is not going through it? Isn't that a strange thing? So the church is not going through the trib. But then number two, notice the church isn't going to go through the tribulation period because the church is told to look for Jesus Christ. 
The church is not told to look for the Antichrist. The church is told to look for Jesus Christ. If the church is going through the tribulation period, then the one thing that you and I are going to look for is we're going to look for the Antichrist, right? But we're not told to look for the Antichrist. We're told to look for Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So the Bible doesn't tell me to look for the Antichrist. It tells me to look for Jesus Christ. And that's why the church is not going through the tribulation period. Titus 2.13, Paul told Titus, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking for Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ to come back where? From heaven. That's where I'm looking for him to come from. Somebody, some people say Jesus Christ isn't coming, is they're not, he's not coming back. I mean, it's been said that Jesus Christ came the first time. Why would he come back the second time? I mean, you know, people talk foolish stuff like that because they don't know the Bible. But let me give you two reasons why Jesus Christ is coming back. Number one, he's coming back, first of all, because he said he was coming back. I mean, that, if that ought to be good enough right there. God said it, that settles it, right? In John chapter 14 and verse number one, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. When he comes back, he's coming back in the sky and the cloud, and we're going up to be with him where he's at, according to the Bible. You see, Jesus Christ is coming back because Jesus Christ said he's coming back. He's never lied one time. You see, then another reason why is because I'm going to just make this basic, but the apostle Paul said he's coming back. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet who? The Lord in the air. Jesus said that he's coming back. Paul says that he's coming back. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse number 8, Paul said, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not eternal life. That's not what that is. That's a crown. It's a crown of righteousness. Righteousness. He said, it's laid up for him, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. One of these days he's going to appear. Do you love his appearing tonight? Well, then you've already got a crown. It's waiting on you. You're going to get it one of these days. Why? Just simply for the fact that you're looking for the coming of Jesus Christ and you're longing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is not going through the tribulation period because the church is not told to look for the Antichrist. The church is told to look for Jesus Christ. Ah, thank God I'm not. I mean, we've read it, haven't we? We've been through Revelation. 52 Wednesday nights, we've been through the book of Revelation. We've read about the horrors and, and all that other stuff. It goes along in chapters 4 through 19 with that great wrath that's going to take place. And I thank God I'm not going through that thing. Amen. And then let me give you this here. The church is not going through the tribulation period because the descriptions do not match. Come over to Matthew chapter number 24 and let me show you something. Let me, let me just break it down for you. Just, this is just one passage out of probably many that you can pick. But in Matthew chapter number 24, you know, the context of that thing by and large is the tribulation period. And, uh, you know, the disciples come to the Lord and they ask him, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world in verse 3? And he begins to explain to them. 
And then he explains to him the beginning of sorrows, verse 8. But then when you get to verse number 15, you find that there's the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. You're in the tribulation period at that point, aren't you? As a matter of fact, you're in the middle of the tribulation period. And so you've got the first three and a half, it's said to be tribulation. The second three and a half, it's said to be great tribulation. Look at verse number 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Hey, we're not going through the tribulation period, but now what I want to show you is now once you've went through the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, look at verse 27. He says in verse number 27, he said, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, what a lot of people do is they come to that and they attribute this as the rapture of the church because they don't rightly divide their Bible. And what they do is they make the rapture of the church where Jesus comes before the tribulation period and they make the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period, they make it all one and the same. And so here you've got Jesus Christ coming back and the church is going to go through the tribulation period according to what they teach. And then at the end of that thing, you've got the son of man coming back. But I submit to you that we're not looking for the son of man. We're looking for the son of God. Now they're the same person but Paul, in all of his writings to the church, never one time ever referred to Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. You, you'll find that in, Ma in the book of Matthew. You might find it in the book of Mark and Luke and John, but you don't find that in Paul's writings. Why? Because we're not looking for the Son of Man. We're looking for the Son of God. The Son of Man and the Son of God are both the same, but the Son of Man is a designation that Israel is looking for. Israel is looking for the Son of Man. You and I are looking for the Son of God. You check me out. You go home and you look on your computer and you punch in Son of God and you put it towards just Paul's writings and you say, look for that exact phrase, Son of God, and you're going to find Paul mentions all Son of God. Then go back and punch in Son of Man in Paul's writings, and you'll find zero times when Paul writes to the church, he refers to Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. So there's not one place in Paul's writings to the church where he refers to Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. He always says the Son of God. Now, let's move on here. Jump down to verse number, oh, let's see, verse 28 said, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So notice he says immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now the tribulation period is over with, right? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now he's going to give you some details about immediately after the tribulation of those days. So notice you're at the end of the tribulation period at that point. All right, verse number 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So what you see in verse number 30, he says that there, there'll appear the sign of the Son of Man where? In heaven. So you got the sign of the Son of Man. Now who looks for a sign? The Jew does. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22. The Gentiles don't seek after a sign. What's the church it's made up of Jew and Gentile, so it's Gentile. It's a Gentile bride. The Gentile bride, the church, is not looking for a sign. You and I don't look for a sign. Paul says we can know the times and the seasons, but we're not looking for a sign. I'm not looking for a sign. So this doesn't apply to me. I'm not looking for a sign. You're saying, well, Lord, if you just give me a sign, give me a sign. Well, what if the devil gives you a sign? How are you going to know the difference? If you're looking for a sign, I'm just saying. I mean, you better be careful about looking for a sign. 
but we can know the times and the seasons. All right, verse number 30, he says, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man. All the tribes of the earth shall mourn and they shall see the son of man. You ever thought about that? All the when the rapture of the church takes place, nobody's going to see it. The church is going to hear it, and we're going to be going up out of here when we hear the voice of the Lord. But in the rapture of the church, the earth won't know what took place. They'll probably see something like a flash of light, kind of like an atom bomb. They'll probably see a flash of light, and then they'll probably hear a crack of thunder or something like that. You say, where do you get that from? Uh, verse 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, it's going to be a bright light, boom, all at one time, and you might hear a crack of thunder. That's where I get that from. He says, for as lightning cometh out of the east. So his return after the tribulation period is like lightning. This is not the rapture of the church. This is at the end of the tribulation period. Remember, immediately after the tribulation of those days. See, you've got to rightly divide that. You can't mix the two together. You've got to keep them separate. Notice in verse number 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together. What are they gathering together? His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So he's going to gather the saints of God. He's going to gather the elect. Well, what saints are these? It's those tribulation saints. It's not church age saints. We've done been raptured out prior to the tribulation period. This is a different group. But notice who's coming back. When the Lord returns at the end of the tribulation period, he's sending his angels to gather it, right? Let me show you something. Come back to your text there. Hold your place right there and just come back for just a minute to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. You see, the church is not going through the tribulation period because the details do not match. They don't match. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 15, what does Paul say? Paul says something different than what uh, Matthew said. Matthew said that when the Lord comes back, he's going to send his angels to gather the elect. But watch this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He's not going to send an angel to do it. He's not going to send Gabriel. He's not going to send Michael. Jesus Christ himself is coming back to get his bride and snatch us out of here. But at the end of the tribulation period, in the revelation, he's going to send angels about to gather from the earth. So the details do not match. And then when the Lord returns at the end of the tribulation period, he's going to come down to the earth. Now, that's another detail that's important. We studied that. Remember, I think we talked about that. I showed you where he's going to put one foot on the Mount Olives and he's going to put one foot on the Mediterranean Sea. And we, we saw that. We went to Zechariah, I think, and we saw some of those things. And that's in the second advent. But when the Lord returns for the church, he doesn't come down to us. We go up to him. Is that right? That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Church ain't going through the tribulation period. Why? Because the description doesn't match. The details do not match. And then number, was this, number four? The church is not going through the tribulation period because the church has not been appointed under wrath. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 9, Paul says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And that wrath is the tribulation period in the passage. The tribulation is God's wrath on this earth like it's never been seen before. We already read it earlier there in Matthew 24 and verse number 21 as the earth hadn't seen something like that nor ever will see something like that. Do you know what the word tribulation means? The word tribulation, it means pressure. It means affliction. It means burden, anguish, persecution or persecuted or troubled. And while you and I have tribulations, remember I mentioned it this morning? 
There's the word tribulation in our text in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And it mentioned the word tribulation. And that tribulation means you and I in our daily life, we're going to face tribulations. We're going to face sufferings and sorrows. But the tribulation that we're talking about here tonight is not in our day-to-day life. It's a time period. And so God's not appointed you and I to go through the tribulation period. The Bible says, and to wait for his son, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he hath raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. What's the wrath to come? It's the tribulation period. We're not going through the tribulation period because Jesus will have delivered us from the wrath to come. What wrath do you think that is, man? That's the tribulation period. I didn't write the Bible, but I was just told to believe it. I was told to preach it. I was told to teach it, and that's what I'm doing, okay? I'm just trying to help you, trying to ease your mind so that when we go through the book of Revelation, I tried to tell you that early on. You don't have to worry about that. I mean, people are so scared about the book of Revelation. Oh, what are we gonna do? Oh, that book scares me to death. Well, you ain't going through it. It don't matter. You don't have to worry about that. Study the book and know that it's prophecy, it's future things, but those future things, they're not gonna be inflicted on you or me, the bride of Christ, because we're going out of here before one drop of God's judgment falls on this earth and on that Jew during the tribulation period. The church will not go through the tribulation because Jesus is coming back to save us from the wrath to come. Now, this subject to me is clear. I mean, it's crystal clear as can be. I, I don't, you know, I'll tell you, I heard a preacher the other day and he was preaching and um, in his message, he, I didn't speak to him personally. He didn't personally call me a heretic, but for what I believe on the pre-trib view, he called me a heretic, called every preacher that believes that a heretic. So that kind of got under my skin a little bit and I got to thinking, you know what, how's people getting mixed up on this stuff? We need to talk about this more. And so that was laid on my heart to do that. So the subject to me is very clear. The church will not go through the tribulation period. And maybe there's somebody here tonight and maybe you thought the church is going to go. Maybe you thought, you know, you're going to go through the tribulation period because after all, you're seeing earthquakes and you're seeing kingdom rise against kingdom and you're seeing uh, famines and pestilences and all of that. But remember, Jesus said, these are all the beginning of sorrows. So these things has got to be before the tribulation period. Because they just might be the beginning of sorrows. So when we look at these things, we're saying these are not signs, but these are times and seasons that we're recognizing that we're on the precipice of Jesus Christ's return. So maybe you have never been taught or thought about the tribulation period and connected with the church. But I just want to conclude by saying that if you won't get saved right now in the age of grace when it's so easy to just trust Jesus Christ and be saved and your name to be put in the Lamb's book of life, you won't get saved in the tribulation period. As a matter of fact, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about the Antichrist there, that wicked one. And it says that God will send them strong delusion that receive not the love of the truth, they might be saved. If you've heard a clear presentation of the gospel in the church age, Chances are you can't be saved in the tribulation period if you reject Jesus Christ now. 